Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode in this podcast on international medical graduates. In this episode, we will cover themes around the differences between a trust grade and a training job, transportation challenges, looking at applying for visas and organizing schooling arrangements for your children when you're new to the UK. Today, I have Dr. Alias with me. She's an ST4 pediatric trainee, and she has a very interesting story to share with you about her transition into the NHS. Dr. Alias trained as a pediatrician in Egypt, where she did her primary medical degree. When she moved to the UK, she actually initially received two job offers, one as a trust grade and one as a pediatric trainee starting at ST4. She decided to start with the trust grade job and eventually moved for a training post after a few months. She has received a huge amount of support and has been very successful in adapting to the culture in the NHS and the UK. I'm very excited for her to share her story with you. Hello, Dr. Alias, and welcome. Thank you for your time. Let's start off by asking you how your journey as an IMG started. Hi, everyone. Thank you for this great introduction, actually. So as you said, I was graduated mainly from Egypt. Uh, I have always done pediatrics since graduation. I have around six years of uh, pediatric experience between residency, fellowship, and I finished my MRCBCH clinical exam last year in September. So as soon as I finished my exams, I start applying to job. I always aspire to be in a training program where I can be a consultant neonatologist. And I, can, I know that I can have this in UK training programs. So from the first beginning, I have a plan about what I want to do. So I started applying for regular jobs at first because everyone is telling you to start in a regular job first before applying to training to have some experience, to have some confidence because we come from a very different health system. So this is what I have done. I applied to a service job or what you call the trust grade job. But at the same time, training application opened. And one of my friends told me, she already had a training number. She told me, okay, how about you start applying to training and just to be familiar with the process so you can know what you need to work on later during your trust grade job. And I thought, okay, no harm in that. And I started by printing the shortlisting and doing some research, listening to some videos and start the whole process. And eventually I got like two offers. Uh, I was accepted as ST1 and I was accepted as ST4 and they gave me like uh, the option to choose which one to start. So this is how I started my journey. So uh, as I have like a six years experience in pediatric, it didn't make sense to start as ST1. So I picked ST4. I was very lucky that my trust grade job was only for six months and uh, they were welcoming when I told them that I will join them and after four months I will have to start my training. So this was like a very golden experience for me because I was able to start in NHS before the training 
with no pressure, just to know the system, the, get used to it before starting my training. What an experience and how exciting as well that you chose the ST4 post. And I'm so pleased yeah. for you um, <laughs> with that you applied and, you know, you were like, oh, we'll just get some experience in applying. And you actually got offered two posts. That's so exciting. Yeah. And what was it like starting in the NHS in your initial trust grade job? It was very overwhelming in the beginning because it's, I was actually like an F1. When uh, when starting this job, I I know nothing about the NHS system. So the thing is, overseas doctor, we have the clinical experience. We have what it takes in critical situation and stuff. But the thing about the logistic stuff, the communication, the referral, and this stuff, this is the things we need to know and to be familiar with. But I was very lucky because I started like IMG friendly hospital. There is a lot of diversity there. And uh, I met with the soft landing representative there. She was very welcoming to me. She makes sure that I feel comfortable. I settled down. So at the beginning, because I came, I, I came without my family. I came by myself first because I knew that four months later, I will move to another city. And it wasn't fair for my family to move them around and move the kids and after only four months. And this is a good tip to start in a hospital accommodation because when when I came here, it's it was so hard to rent a house or even an apartment when you are a newcomer to UK. Try to be interactive. I try to like talking to everyone, even the social side talks, to be involved with them more often. This is to improve my like vocabulary and to know a little bit about the culture around me and they really appreciate that I want to be more involved with them so my experience was really really great and I consider myself lucky that I started in such like a healthy welcoming environment. That's so lovely to hear and you know it sounds like you have so much to consider with regards to your family and the job and moving over to the UK and we will definitely sort of move on to talk about that later on but what I want to know is how are you finding training and how did you find starting as an ST4 um, in a new city? Starting as ST4 is very intimidating for, uh, for me because, because you are a, a registrar level now so I'm used to be a registrar back home. But here in UK, everyone is like making, oh, you are a registrar, you have all the responsibility over your shoulder and stuff. But no, I think I think I managed to do well until now. And teaching hostels are very also a very healthy and welcoming environment because um, I had the consultant responsible for the Rota had a chat with me before even one month before I start even and she wanted to know what I was comfortable about doing she made like a smooth transition for me because she knew I'm I'm an overseas doctor this is the first time I will do a registrar job here in UK Mm -hmm. so she wanted to take the stress out so she told me, don't worry, we will make this a smooth transition. And just starting the first month was doing like a work round standard days. After that, the second month, I started doing long day shifts, shadowing a couple of shifts with another older registrar. 
then I will start doing my nights next month. So it was like a smooth transition. I didn't feel the stress that uh, because I heard from other people in Facebook groups and stuff that they put them in the night shifts in their mm. first week in a new trust. And I know this wasn't fair for them. So it's yeah. very useful to like reach for the consultant responsible for the ROTA or uh, your supervisor. If, if you know who's your supervisor before the starting the job, so you can make like, it's, it will be easier for, for us and for them and safer for the patient. That's excellent. And I'm so pleased for you and the success that you've achieved in your transition. And that is such a good tip to reach out to your supervisor and the consultant who or whoever's in charge of the rotor, reaching out to them and making them aware of your upcoming transition to help them help you settle in. Now, we've talked a lot about some topics about your transition to into working in the NHS, but earlier you mentioned that there were many considerations for you and your family moving to the UK for this new job. You also mentioned that, you, you know, you moved here on your own first and weren't with your family. It must have been so difficult for you being so far away from your young children as well in such an unfamiliar environment. Just tell me a bit about what this process has been like for you in arranging for your family to join you in the UK. Yes, it was very difficult indeed because it's it was the first time that I leave my family. I never traveled outside of Egypt before. So this was the first time to be on my own away from my kids. But the thing is, I, I try to like make new friends. Try to engage more with the, with the social events to keep myself busy so I don't think about that I'm missing them and this, this sad stuff. But also because I know I'm preparing for them to come over after a few months. So when you move your family to UK, you have to consider where you are going to search for houses to rent because mm -hmm. here you, you have to build the house with a safe area and you must have like a good transportation because mm -hmm. at the beginning you won't be able to drive. So you have to consider a good area of transportation and also schools because the school system here depends on the catchment area. So mm. your kids will go to school around your house. So you have to search about what go to schools in the area and then start searching about houses in this area. And you can find everything you're searching for. So you have to have priority. So my double like safety and then uh, schools and after that the transportation. And it's not easy for a newcomer to rent a house. Uh, I struggled for two months to find the house and I had to do viewing in the weekend. Every weekend I had, I had off work. I had mm. to take the train two hours to view a house and then come back. So this was like a terrible experience really. But at the end I gave up and I started doing video viewing, which is a risk, a big mm. risk. Because you don't always get what you see in the videos. But I was I was in the end so desperate that I was willing to take anything. Uh, and finally, I found the house. And it was really like a nice house, even nicer than the video. 
I was lucky again, I guess. <laughs> I just can't imagine how difficult it must have been for you, you know, starting in a new system and then having to take a two-hour train and then another two-hour train back just to do viewings. Once again, so pleased for you that at the end of all this difficulty, you found a good house for you and your kids. You mentioned earlier that it was very key to find a good area for safety, school and transportation. Would you mind going into, into a bit more detail about how did you find a good area? Did you use Google Maps or how did you go about doing that? Yeah, first I started by searching Facebook groups. So I started asking people around and then after that, I started asking them what is the postcodes with the safest crime rate. Mm -hmm. And they started to give me some information. Then I started to do my own Google search. Mm -hmm. So you, you will find online the crime rate. If you, if you put a postcode or you, you just type where is the safest area and you will mm -hmm. have an order according to the crime rate. And after that, I made a choice about three areas. And mm -hmm. then within these three areas, I searched a website called uh, OfficeTed website to search mm -hmm. about the schools, which is, it's basically ranking of the school. So you have the outstanding, the good school, and the schools where, that require improvement. So I started searching about areas which have the most outstanding and good schools around. Mm -hmm. So this is narrowed it down. So th this is what the process narrowed down more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I started doing searches on right more mm -hmm. to try to find the house to rent. And it's very exhausting because the good property you will have in the market for about a few hours. So you have to be quick. Yeah, you have to be quick and make a call. And, but eventually, if you know the process, it, it, will, it will be easier for you. Well, it sounds like you've been very resourceful into getting where you want to be. And I'm, I'm so pleased for you. You know, you mentioned earlier that you were away from your children and you'd never traveled out of Egypt. You'd never been away from them. I wanted to know what the emotional aspects of the process of awaiting their visas and waiting for them to come over. What was that like for you? Gosh, this is like the, the longest period I have to wait for a decision in my life oh, while gosh. applying for the visa. <laughs> yeah, there is so much delay in the decisions this day. Mm -hmm. So it took him like more than one month to get the decision. Mm. And I didn't even know if it will be like accepted or refused. So it was like, I was worried all the time for more than one month. I couldn't do anything else in my life except waiting for their decision. Like, what's the point of being here unless I have my family with me? Oh, that's, that must have been such a difficult time, as you mentioned, and I'm so glad that they're here with you now. You've mentioned a few tips earlier of keeping busy and keeping yourself occupied, but I guess it's still difficult, mm. isn't it? Yes, it is. So the first few days, I was just, every time I talked to them through video call, I just started crying and crying and crying. So, yeah, it was very overwhelming. How did you find balancing this with work? 
I had a few IMG friends working with me in the same hospital, and we were all in the same hospital accommodation. Okay. So we we tended to arrange our weekend to go out and see the city, experiment a new restaurant. I have been to Manchester for an event, and I have I went to Liverpool for the RCBCH conference. So I managed to keep myself busy with different types of events and some coping mechanisms. So I even uh, had a gym prescription. So I went to the gym like twice a day, and I think this helped a lot with my mentality to to have like work out on regular basis wow that's that's excellent the gym twice a day um i struggle to get to the gym twice a week <laughs> that's that's really well done no no twice a week, twice a week. Oh, okay <laughs> i was just like no, no, twice a day twice wow a week. <laughs> um i i understand you are currently <laughs> doing your i wish that <laughs> Um, understand you're currently doing your driving tests to get your license is that correct yes i started like studying for the theory the theory mm-hmm. test mm-hmm. but um because i have the sub speciality great application coming so uh, i hold this a, a, a little bit for, for now but um but uh, i know that uh if uh, if i get a car and license and drive with my international license mm-hmm. uh up to one year so i have i have this option and i have my husband so he ah. can drive <laughs> oh that's lovely so are you having to do your driving license basically within the year because at the end of it your international license expires yeah yeah what has transportation been like for you and your and your training posts has there been any difficulty getting to work well now i'm using the bus mm-hmm. it's not easy and it's not hard like okay. i have to walk like five minutes from my yeah. home to to the bus station but sometimes due to traffic and stuff there's like some delays in rainy days uh, i had to take over Um, few times yeah and after a long shift sometimes I don't feel like I want to to walk to the station even for five minutes so I took an Uber anyway so I think this like this is a must to drive if you are in training and doing long shift and night shift you must have like at some point a car and learn how to drive for sure, for sure. Um, best of luck to you when you get to doing your driving test. You know, we, we've talked a lot about your experiences, um, sort of both in work and outside of work. And to finish off, I would like to ask you, what what's your main top tip or advice you would have for new or incoming international medical graduates? My first thing is, so you must know why you are coming to UK. So you don't have like high expectations. There is a, a pressure load of work here and you have to work hard to get what you want. Like comparing it with uh, the work versus money load in our countries or other countries, it's not the same. But if you have a clear plan about what you want, you won't be disappointed. So if you're coming here to get a training number 
So from the beginning, start printing the short list, start mm -hmm. working on yourself. Don't wait for someone to teach you anything. You have to seek your uh, opportunities by yourself. Just don't be overwhelmed. We all have been in the same position and it takes from six months to one year to, to adapt to the new system the new environment so and it, it's very like important to find someone to talk to you you don't have to like close yourself try to go out learn about this new culture make it a good experience it's all in your hands that's a lovely message and it sounds like your proactiveness and resourcefulness has has really served you well both at work and outside of work and in getting used to being in the uk my next question is, what advice do you have for educators? Um, so these are supervisors or TPDs who look after IMG colleagues who have recently transitioned into the NHS. Actually, I was so pleased that uh, the awareness about IMG's problem and difficulties in transition is raised and they are actually starting to do some steps towarding that. So. In our culture, we were not used to talk to the higher consultants or the higher manager about our needs. So that doesn't come easy to us. So mm. to put that in mind, I think that educators and the DVDs have to reach out for, for the new overseas doctor and ask what they are comfortable about doing, how they are settling down, because most of them are getting depressed, getting overwhelmed by this change. Mm. So it's like it's part of their responsibility to make sure that they are settling down nicely and smoothly. But but I, I'm happy that they are starting to doing this more. So I, I have been to two hospitals and the two of them I had an excellent consultant supporting me throughout this process. And I'm so I'm so pleased for you. And you are right. It is a huge transition in people's lives, moving in their adult life to a completely different country with a completely different culture. And I definitely agree with you about your point of proactiveness from both the trainee and trainers. And yeah. that brings me on to my last point. What advice do you have for general members of staff in the NHS who would be working alongside IMGs? The first thing that we don't understand British humor. So this was the most difficult thing I have been facing with like the regular talks with the normal stuff, like the nursing and the medical personnel. That IMG came from a different culture. They don't understand a lot of your references, uh, a lot of your humor. So try to be patient with us, try to explain a little bit more. And uh, in a lot of situations, we will we want to ask about something that you said to repeat it because of the language barrier. Sometimes it's difficult for us to like understand some accents. It was very hard for me at the beginning to understand what nurses are trying to say to me. So I kept telling them, yeah, so the magic sentence was, I'm sorry, English isn't my first language. Can you please repeat what you have said in a slower rate so I can understand? 
always make sure that they understand what you are saying. That's excellent. So using that magic sentence, that's, that's a definitely a very good tip. And you are very right. The British humour is very unique and it's, uh, it definitely takes a while to sort of get used to, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And they think we are rude. Sometimes I was in a position that I think I'm being rude because I'm not laughing, but simply I didn't understand <laughs> why are you laughing on this? <laughs> Oh, that's, I'm sure you'll get a hang of it. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Dr. Elias, for coming on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. Best of luck with your training and your upcoming exams and take care. Thank you. Hello again, and thank you for listening to this podcast. The introduction and ending music is called Happy Day by Stock Music and was obtained from Pixabay. I would appreciate any feedback from you as a listener. Please complete the feedback form in the link attached to this episode and feel free to drop me an email or reach out via Twitter. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have found this episode valuable in improving your knowledge around topics relating to international medical graduate doctors and their transition into the NHS. Goodbye for now.